0: What's up? This is Mike Shinoda from Lincoln Park. You can find us at lincolnpark.com. You're listening to 10 Golden Rules. We have an amazing show for you with over 10 of the world's leading podcasters joined together for an incredible podcast about podcasting. So let's get to it.
1: Welcome to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Featuring the latest strategies and techniques to drive traffic to your website and convert that traffic into sales. Now here's the CEO of 10goldenrules.com, Jay Berkowitz.
0: Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us for episode 33 of the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing podcast. A big Happy New Year to everyone. I hope you had a great break and you're fired up for 2009. I must admit, I started out the year with some apprehension about where we're going this coming year, but I quickly shook off Mr. Gloomyface and realized that the only way to break it out in 2009, the only way to do it in any year, is to go for it. Hit it hard. Write aggressive goals. Develop a smart, personal, and business plan, and kick some butt to get it done. So if you're still waiting for stuff to happen in 2009, shake it off. Set some audacious goals. Write your plan and make it happen. I'm just back from Affiliate Summit in Las Vegas, and I had an amazing conversation with Gary Vaynerchuk of Wine Library TV. Maybe that's where some of my pumped-up attitude comes from. I also had a great meeting with Mari Smith, who's a Facebook guru. Now, of course, the trusty M-Audio Microtrack was with me, and I'm going to get both of these conversations onto podcasts in the next couple weeks, complete with your call-ins and the 10 Golden Rules team live from the blog. So please call the show with questions and comments at our digital recording line. The number is 206-888-6606. Tell us where you're from, and I'd love to get you on one of the next shows. We do have a bunch of your calls sitting in the hopper, and we'll definitely get them on the next two shows. But for this show, we're going to do something a little different. I'm going to replay an incredible conversation that I was thrilled to be a part of. My fellow podcaster and friend, Joseph Jaffe, held a call with over 10 of the world's top podcasters, including some of the formative names in the space. Adam Curry, the former MTV DJ and co-inventor of podcasting, was on the call. Shell Holtz from the amazing Four Immediate Release podcast joined in. Minion Fogarty, better known as Grammar Girl, was on the show. My friend Cliff Ravenscraft joined in in the middle of a 24-hour podcast marathon. Cliff, you're, you're amazing. So this call was spurred by the podcasting um, community, and there was a company by the name of Padango that announced they were going out of business. Now, this started some rumors, ill-founded rumors, that podcasting was actually um, dying. And I think if you listen to this podcast, you'll agree that podcasting is still growing. In fact, according to the Pew Research study, downloads of podcasts are up over 300% since 2008. The experts on this call make the case that podcasting is just in its infancy. Um, If there was one topic we didn't cover on the call, I wish we spent more time on how we all can build up podcast listenership. How can we get more people converted to this incredible format that uh, I know you believe in because you're listening to this show? So maybe you can do a little bit of your part. Tell 10 people about your favorite podcasts. Teach them how to listen to a podcast. Let them know they don't need an iPod to get iTunes for free. They can subscribe to amazing content right on their computer, and it's all um, 99% of it is all free of charge. Now the call I'm going to I'm going to play you runs about 90 minutes. We recorded it on New Year's Eve day, so if you're at all interested in podcasting and podcasters, I hope you'll love this as much as I enjoyed participating. If you listen to Joe Jaffe's show, you may have already heard the recording. If not, please enjoy it. Um, what, one heads up I want to give you. There's a teeny bit of colorful languages. A few of the podcasters are um, don't do a clean show as we do. So a heads up if, if uh, you're around kids or whatever. You probably want to make this one uh, for an adult audience. Anyways, I'm not going to play any other features. I'm not going to play a song of the week. I'm just going to let it run. So enjoy. We'll be back real soon with Gary Vaynerchuk and a brand new show for the new year.
2: Pulp Shoes.
0: Recorded
3: live,
2: live at 12:30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on the final day of 2008, December 31st. It's uh, episode 121 of Jaffe Juice, the new marketing podcast. that we hold ourselves to with Joseph Jaffee. They stand up on stage. They embarrass the crap out of themselves. Join the conversation. Join the conversation. This is Jaffy. Jaffy Juice. Juice. You've just entered the No Bullshit Zone. Well, welcome, everybody. Not just ready to episode 121 of Jaffy Juice, but really uh, as many episodes as our participants on this call. Uh, only for talk show purposes, I left it as an episode, but really the goal is for anyone listening in that has a podcast or has a blog and wants to take this audio, slice it and dice it in this wonderful on-demand medium to do as they please. Um, and that's really um, about what I'm going to say or enough of what I'm going to say before I kind of unmute a whole bunch of wonderful people, including guest number five, that is Shell Holtz. Shell, you are now... On the air, Terry Follis, you are on the air, Mitch Joel, you are on the air, I believe it's Adam Curry, you are on the air, Gramagal, you are on the air, Seth Ravenscroft, you should be on the air as well. Uh, and you know what, I'm going to leave it at that for now until I figure out who Washington D.C. is, who New York is, not where they are, Mitch, and also I believe LeWayne McNeil is standing by as well. Welcome everybody, thank you for uh, spending some time together today.
1: Happy New Year. Happy New Year.
2: Right. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> that was <laughs> glory, yeah. glorious harmony. So, you know, okay, so here's the thing. Uh, this whole thing about the death of podcasting, I mean, obviously, I was not using it, never uh, intended to even refer to it in the slightest as some kind of hype or controversy to kind of get people to listen in or, or et cetera. But, you know, there seems to be this this genuine uh, feeling in the community that we're so damn, damn tired, sick and tired Of every quarter debating the same issue again podcasting is not in uh, in uh, um, disrepair or it, it is not in danger it is not even being disputed and yet so many people still want to have this conversation so my thinking was you know what let's just get together and have a really intelligent conversation about the industry about the name about the definition about this idea of podcasting as we know it is dead or Podcasting is forever changing. Um, and, and I want to keep it just open. I mean, I am not the host. I'm one of the many hosts today. Uh, I will do my best, but those of you that know me know it's very hard for me to shut the hell up. But I will try and do that so that everybody can just have a spirited conversation. I have sent around to the hosts, um, or some of the hosts, somewhat of a, a moderator's guide, just so that, that there's something to talk about and work our way through. So why are we here today? Well, we're here today because there was an announcement that a company by the name of Podango is closing up shop. I will be honest. I didn't even know who really who they were. It, just, it was just never a part of my life. It was never a part of my podcasting life, so to speak. But suddenly everybody started talking about whether in fact this was the beginning of the end. And uh, in fact, I know Adam's on this call. Someone even in a blog post said they think Mevio's next. Well, I'm sure he's going to have something to say about that. Then people started referring to, I think it's Michael Gohagen's death of podcasting presentation, which he has many times said, wait a second, did you actually watch it? Did you actually listen to it? Were you actually there? Have you seen the slides? That's not exactly what I was talking about. Michael, by the way, is going to try and call in as well. So with that said, what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and be some kind of moderator in the sense that if people have questions, I'm going to bring them on. Uh, I'm going to try and just make sure that I keep this thing moving along um, nice and smoothly. But I'm going to turn it over to all of these uh, people that are online right now just to kind of introduce yourself uh, if people don't know who you are already and maybe just take two to three minutes to talk a little bit about why you're here on the call today, what your feelings are about this whole podcasting is dead meme or the future of podcasting however you want to look at it and just kind of get the ball rolling and then let the conversation go where it may so i think i'm going to start off with at the top of my list which is uh, adam curry
4: hey joseph let me just make sure you can hear me because i've got kind of a weird setup yeah i can well, hear i can you. hear you you're coming okay. in all right good hey everybody yeah, i'm um, uh, i'm Trying to stay on this call as long as I can. I'm actually in, right in the middle of moving house, and I'm sitting in the middle of boxes. Um, I guess the reason why I'm on this call is that Joseph invited me. Obviously, I'd seen Michael Gohagen's uh, post, and uh, you know that sparks off a lot of email, and people uh, ask things. And then, really, I responded to his post because he said, uh, "Gee, no one's heard from Nevio lately. Are they next?" Which is a typical asshole move. Uh, and, um, I'm really, you know, not quite cognizant of, uh, of anything more than a company, namely Podango, uh, apparently can't make their, their business work. That has really no relevance to, to podcasting or independent media. To me, it just seems like one company, um, didn't really or apparently doesn't have a, a model that's working for them. So I'm, I'm kind of flabbergasted as to you know why does that translate to podcasting is dead because uh, I, I don't really see it. Um, I see lots of people who are successful um, at creating programming. Um, I can't look in someone else's pocketbooks. So I have no idea how, how other – Uh, companies who offer hosting are doing, um, which I believe was part of Podango's model. Um, I I think in general, um, when it comes to uh, free hosting-based business models, we're going to have a lot of companies in big trouble in general in in the coming years just because of the economics of uh, of the economy. Um, But as far as I'm concerned, uh, it's there's there's lots of examples of people who are very successful um, With creating audio or video podcasts, and I guess what you deem the successful is really Really the important part Does that make any sense for you Joseph?
2: Yeah, absolutely and, and just to touch on a few things that you said Maybe I'll just jump in after every person and just kind of paraphrase a few things is the and I've been looking at all these blog posts and all the comments and definitely uh, pedango was criticized, well, at least, at least the point was made, which is their business model was suspect or at least questioned. This idea of free services and advertiser supported, I mean, that itself was part of the worst practices of the dot-com boom and bust. But, but yes, the conversation came um, uh, full circle where we were talking and everybody seemed to be talking about business models. Now, the other thing about, about going back to Michael Gohagen is this idea of RSS and everything else. And wait a second, are we just talking about content? Content is king at the end of the day. Are we not, you know, audio and video content uh, as uh, evolution and revolution of radio as it was or as it is or, me, or even uh, radio as it will be? So those were, were things that seem to repeat itself uh, again. And, and I think, yeah, I mean, I think that absolutely makes uh, a lot of sense. I mean, I know the next person that I'm going to hand over to just on this uh, list is, uh, is Cliff Ravenscroft, a guy who I met at PodCamp Nashville, who I'm going to be spending a few days and hanging out with uh, at CS uh, with our Panasonic clients. But a guy who literally, I mean, is one of the poster, poster children, if you will, for giving up your day job and doing this full-time, and and not just being your your career or your business or your profession, but your life. So, Cliff, over to you and your thoughts on this whole podcasting is dead, a.k.a. the future of, a.k.a. Um, what is it today, and how is it changing, and, and how will it change?
5: Well, uh, thank you. Uh, basically, I had the privilege of actually having a two-hour conversation um, just last night with Michael W. Gehagen, and uh, it's going to be episode 190 of PodcastAnswerMan.com. Uh, but anyway, my my gathering from what I've, I've talked away, uh, talked to, uh, come away from with uh, Michael was my understanding of him is that he seems to be a very business minded guy. And, and he seems to be – in fact, I understand from some of my listeners who have informed me a little bit more about who Michael Gohagan is and that he's this iconic businessman uh, in, in, in the community of South, Southern California is, is how he's been described to me. And, and, for, and from even from our, my conversation, um, I get that he is very much into – he was very much into podcasting in the same way as, a, as maybe a Tim Berkwin, uh, if you will, as, as such as, a, you know, build a business. Uh, to a certain degree, and then sell it, and build it, sell it, build it, sell it kind of thing. And, and it seems to me his, his tie to podcasting was that he's very passionate about the fact that this could be another business model, that you could build something, grow it to a certain degree, and then all of a sudden profit from the sale of that business that you've built. And, that seemed, and, and I, after the conversation, now we, I was broadcasting live as I was recording this on Ustream, and one of, my, one of my listeners called in and uh, left me some uh, personal feedback, and he said something that just really resonated with me, and it really seemed to sum up in my mind maybe what's going on in Michael's mind on this as far as podcasting is dead. And, and, and basically my listener said, what I think is dead is that Michael's passion for podcasting is dead. His passion for this idea that he personally could build a sustainable business model where people could come into this, build something, and make it a career. In his mind, his passion for that being a possibility is dead. And I would totally agree that his, if that's what he thinks podcasting is all about, then maybe. But then he might say things like that. But I, I did hear him. He, he continually um, p- pushed me on this idea of why do I call myself a podcast consultant, why do I hold myself, you know, why do I hold myself hostage to an RSS feed? And, and he suggested, you know, that, that perhaps no longer are my audience, uh, no longer is the majority of my audience actually subscribed to my content, but instead they're just randomly coming to my website, which my statistics absolutely show the opposite. I was just looking at my Libsyn stats, uh, 18% web traffic and the rest, all of it, downloaded media via iTunes or some other sort of podcasting software. So in my mind, no, podcasting is not dead. And, and my, my big thing about why do I call myself a podcast content producer, uh, podcast consultant, and uh, he suggested I, I shouldn't limit myself to that. I should be a new media consultant because – People don't want to get a podcast consultant. They, they, want, they don't want to go out and have to have a YouTube consultant or a blog consultant or a Facebook consultant. They want a new media consultant. Why don't you just be a new content media, digital content consultant? And I told him exactly why I want to be podcast consultant, mm. because it's not too hard to do YouTube. It's not too hard to get into Facebook. It's not too hard to start a blog. But you know what? There is some technical savviness uh, even at the slightest level, it's really easy once you're shown how to do it. But there are people out there who are struggling th- with this whole I- idea and concept of delivering content via RSS. And the other day, as a matter of fact, earlier, I'm actually in the middle. If I sound like I'm a little punchy, I'm 12 hours and 44 minutes into a 24-hour nonstop podcast marathon. We're broadcasting live right now on Ustream and have a live chat room going simultaneous with this one. so. I apologize if I'm a little punchy, but anyway, um, I had a, one of my consulting clients as a uh, guest host on one of the podcasts that I was recording during this marathon, and he says, Cliff, I, 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 have, a, I have had three nationally syndicated TV shows. I'm an blo- avid blogger. I have a great blogging audience. And I heard about this thing called podcasting, and I wanted to get a podcast going. I already have content from my video, or video content from my shows. It's already out there on YouTube. But I have been struggling for weeks trying to figure out how to get a podcast off the ground. And there was so much information, and I didn't want to do it until I had it just right. So I went to Google and typed in podcast consultant, and there you were.
2: And that's why I call myself a podcast consultant. Well, I think you know one of the reasons why I wouldn't go with that long with that long title that was suggested was probably because it wouldn't fit on a business card. But um, you know, part of the thing that we have to also think about, I guess, is is you know the title. You know, and, and going back to you, and I know we actually have a comment coming in from um, from Jay Berkowitz, so I'm going to activate him in a in a second. But you know, Adam, it was interesting to me um, when you changed your name from uh, obviously from Podshow to Mevio. And I remember you saying uh, on one of the episodes of Daily Source Code that it was becoming frustrating, and maybe you'll just you'll you'll clarify this or correct me if I go if I'm wrong, but that it was the Madison Avenue, the advertising community, were not buying, or they were they weren't getting it, or they weren't ready to buy, or they just weren't buying this idea of podcasting, and 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 obviously you've taken that that next step, which is to recognise maybe what Cliff was saying as well that this is about content and audio and video content yes in the form as we knew it in the form of radio and or television and or other but but you had made that leap and i guess the question is does the name podcasting does the term does even that
4: description change does it need to change well let me uh let me think okay so Maybe this is easiest. Mevio has two lines of revenue, so, and then I can answer a whole bunch of other questions at the same time. Uh, one is very traditional uh, spot advertising. Uh, so think pre-rolls, post-rolls, um, inserts, w- whatever is the uh, flavor of the day, and that is based on pretty much a CPM model. Uh, and that really is only for video because, and I'll get to that in a moment, um, there is no or barely no pre-roll being purchased for audio or podcasts. Our other revenue line, uh, which is extremely successful for us, is what we call transactions, um, where we function very much like a QVC. We go out and negotiate um, prices and discounts with um, uh, providers of goods and services, so everything from, well, GoDaddy, everyone's quite familiar with GoDaddy, but uh, we have PetNeds, we have uh, Finish Line, we have Budget Rent-A-Car, and and, and that is a much more It's actually what I was doing four years ago when I was m- messing around with Senseo and getting people to buy a Senseo based upon the content of my show, what I was doing with it uh, through Amazon, a very similar model as an affiliate. Uh, and we really built that out into a multi-million-dollar business. That's that's quite big, and there are a lot of people who are not on this call, who never speak up, who never blog about it, who are making a significant amount of money. When, um, on the so that that I'm really happy with, and in fact, that I believe is the model moving forward. Um, but there's still uh, a big push, certainly from us, because there is uh, a demand in the market for uh, spot advertising. But we've had a significant shift in the past few years in advertising, where the, uh, the the buying, the actual purchasing of the inventory of media inventory, is now done by media bureaus, media agencies, and they are no longer connected to the creative side. And they're really about numbers, and it's uh, it's about GRP, about CPM, it's uh, impressions, it's everything you can think of. Um, is how they measure it. Zero uh, uh, really has nothing to do with any brand awareness or any other form of marketing. It's really just about the numbers as they report it. So if you want to play that game, and we're fortunate to be capitalized enough to play that, then you have to uh, be a part of the game. You have to have the tools. So you have to subscribe to Comscore. Uh, so that you can, uh, which is very much like uh, Arbitron or Nielsen ratings, it costs a shitload of money. It's like $150,000 a year just to subscribe so that your numbers will be published and the advertisers see it. Um, we actually are, do quite well in ComScore. The biggest problem we had, and again, you, this is just a game that's being played, uh, and I feel advertising, spot advertising is a lot of game playing. Um, Well, you know, uh, we have this entire, um, this is a media buyer will say, we have this entire campaign set up um, and, you know, we have to trim uh, $200,000 off the budget. The first thing that goes is something that the client is not 100% certain or has had success with before or just sounds something like they don't really know what it is or it can't be explained to them properly, which is in the case of media buyers, media buying agencies, and that's podcasting. And media buyers, who, who are, uh, it doesn't really matter to them. They, just, you know, they get paid whether they buy us or someone else or however they buy for their client. They said, well, look, you know, we really want to work with you, but the whole pod thing is a problem. So you know, after enough of hearing that, we said, well, good, we'll change our name. And it did make a difference. Um, so I'll, I'll finish in saying that when it comes to business models, the traditional model of advertising is very, very difficult it's not just for podcasting. It's difficult for radio. You know, look at some of the radio stocks. You can buy radio companies for 15 cents a share. But when it comes to transactional models, which is really how a, um, uh, a producer, a host, a podcast, or whatever you want to call it who has an audience uh, can um, create quite a successful revenue flow from that audience if they know how to activate them with the right offers.
2: All right, well, um, Jay, you had a comment, so I'm going to let you uh, make that comment and just follow Adam, and then, Mitch, you're
6: next up. Thanks, Joe. Well, just Happy New Year to everyone and all your listeners, and it's awesome to see some of the people that I listen to all the time, Mitch Joel, Joe Jaffe, Adam Curry, Cliff, Ravenscraft, even Grammar Girl. And the two comments I had are, I think the first thing is that people have a discovery problem with podcasts. And I know I went through it, the first, you know, maybe three, four years ago, I listened to a couple podcasts, and I just didn't connect with them, and I just didn't get what is this big thing about podcasts. And then those of us who get it and find someone we love, and some of you guys on the call were the people who converted me and gave me that paradigm shift. You know, when I found Joe Jaffe and Mitch Joel and Adam Curry, I got it, and I, all I wanted was more great podcasts. So I think when people discover someone they connect with because it's a very intimate medium and the content that, that they connect with, I think that converts people to podcasting. But if they first listen to people they don't get, they're, they're not going to get it. They're not going to try it again. The second thing that I think um, you know, is really a factor in podcasting is dead is less than 25% of people are auditory learners. And I've always been dumbfounded. Like I listen to the, uh, the Daily Searchcast which is a great show that uh, Danny Sullivan does, and it's like all the best stuff in search marketing. But my search manager didn't listen to the show, and she had a long commute. And I always asked her, like, did you listen to the show? Did you listen to the show? And she said, no, no, I read his blog. And different people consume content differently, and she just doesn't buy into podcasting, even though she has a long commute. She just isn't an auditory learner, just doesn't get it. So I think, uh, you know, according to some research I did, Less than 25% of people are what, what's called auditory learners. So even though we all love it, we all get it, we, we can't understand why everybody else isn't as passionate about it. certain number of people just aren't auditory learners. They just aren't going to buy in.
2: I, I, I actually just want to step in for one second and, just, uh, and maybe just take two steps back to say part of the goal of this conversation is that we have um, – you know, even I, I don't mind, person. If we go, if we go up to 90 minutes, for example, <laughs> it would be a short episode of Jaffy Juice. Those of you that listen to me. But the point is that we have one file or one source for to send people to to say, hey, do you want to know about this, or do you want to kind of understand this debate, or be part of this? Why don't you check out? You know, uh, it could be Jay' your version of it, or Mitch's uh, version of it, or FIR's version of it, and you can slice and dice it. The other thing I'd like to do is, as we wind down, is for us to kind of spend about 10 or 15 or 20 minutes from a productive standpoint to talk about, I know Grammar Girl, for example, had came up with, with some pointers, best practices. What do we need to, if we only had 10 or 15 minutes to tell people everything that they needed to know, what would that be? So that's just another thought. The third point to what you just said, Jay, and then I'm going to turn it over to Mitch, is... It's an interesting concept about being auditory uh, learners i mean i I know that uh, i'll listen for example to a podcast and there'll be so many things that strike me at the time as being so pertinent so valuable and then i forget about it why because i'm on the road and and i think that leap that next step in terms of whether it's transcription whether it's premium subscription something that i know that cliff does with gspn um, but that may be uh, i don't want to say the tipping point but the next stage of the evolution which is to recognize for those podcasts that are teaching people things that they could use and could be valuable and deliver utility, how do we take it from the uh, spoken word form to something that is a lot more kind of digestible, sliceable, diceable, shareable, et cetera, et cetera. So, Mitch, over to you or, of course, anybody at this point that wants to respond to Adam, to me, to Cliff, to Jay, et cetera, et
7: cetera. The first question is, am I unmuted? You are. Huh? I hear you. Perfect. Good. So it's Mitch Joel from Six Pixels of Separation, um, and great conversation so far. I really appreciate uh, Joe making the time to do this and everybody being on the call. It's amazing to see the list of people. I totally agree with everything that's been said before. One thing for me is that uh, this is tough work. You know, Podcasting in general, anything related to new media is very, very hard work, and I guess I'll be a little bit contrarian to Cliff and say that even doing videos on YouTube is not easy. Even being engaged in Facebook is not easy. Uh, The barriers to entry to do it, I get it, are easier, but they themselves as media channels are very, very, very tough. Uh, This is not advertising that you can buy on a CPM or CPA or CBC basis. This is community building. It's relationship building, and you can't buy community. So there's a lot of sort of mitigating factors around the pure perspective of it being a media channel. And I think the biggest problem that we have with this and the reason why we have these sort of brouhaha's that come up is because – We always go back to what we know, which is mass media. We go back to this idea of numbers and GRPs and GPRs and all the other phone acronyms that we can throw at it. But the reality of it is that it's the wrong metric to look at. Uh, My big thing lately has been all about trying to explain to marketers, and I do this a lot, uh, it's not about how many people you're connecting with. It's about who. Who? A really quick anecdote about this is we work with one of the largest telcos up here in Canada and they were really bummed out about a site that had been designed by another one of their agencies because based off the TV ad buying the millions of people that were seeing this during Canadian Idol, our version of American Idol, they they were seeing only numbers in the thousands on this website. I went over to look at the just basic analytics on it and what I saw is the average consumer was spending over 20 minutes on this site thousands of people spending over 20 minutes engaged in the brand. And I'm like, wow, they just don't understand this, how the online channel, these digital spaces really engender and enable you to connect to the right who, which is so much better. It's so much more cost-effective, and it delivers such a higher ROI. The challenge with this, and I think podcasting falls smack dab in the middle of it, is getting back to agreeing with Cliff, is that it's hard to do. You can't just do a campaign and take off. I mean, building up an audience for the podcast that I do is treacherous, hard work. It's a lot of time investment during the week. It's a lot of production work. It's a lot of make work after to get some promotion going, get people to link to it and hop on Twitter and Facebook. And there's, there's all these Really complex things to do that, like, let's be honest, a media company is not going to do the work. Uh, This is why I think, you know, what Adam is doing is so interesting, because an advertiser can go to Adam and say, hey, Adam, I want to reach all the marketers and communications people. Can you just connect me to those podcasts? And, you know, poof, voila, hopefully, if his network is strong, and I know it is, he can do that. But it's not easy to do that work. And, you know, media companies work off of a small commission. They're just like, hey, I've got to make my meager 10%, 15%. What's the quickest way I can do that? So there, there are many sides to it. And, and the last comment I'll make before sort of passing it over to really, you know, talk about this is, look, we're all early adopters. And as early adopters, the minute we get attracted by another shiny object, whether it's friend feed or Twitter, the thing that we were talking about yesterday, whether it's second life or podcasting, is suddenly dead. Uh, take a look at how iPods and iPod Touches and iPhones are selling over the Christmas holiday. Take a look at how many people are now looking at applications, how many people are now looking more and more at audio and video, broadband access. We are not even at the beginning of this. So I jokingly said uh, in my blog post, I think I called it, podcasting uh, isn't even close to being, being on life support because we haven't even developed lungs yet. Uh, you know, we are just getting started here, and I think that we have to remember that we are really, really early. Just last night I had a conversation with Somebody was looking at Twitter. They hadn't seen it before, and it was funny to watch them fumble through it. Uh, They couldn't figure out what these at signs were and how to follow and who's listening to them, and this is all really new, guys, so just keep that in mind. Take a deep breath. Um, Enjoy the channel, and remember that this stuff, the idea of time-shifted, content on demand, audio, video, or otherwise, is brand new, very exciting, and this is the direction we're going in.
2: All right, well, if anybody, I know that uh, a couple of people have called in with comments or questions. If you want to uh, ask those or make those comments, now's your time. Otherwise, Shell, uh, you're next on, uh, on the uh, hit list.
4: Yeah, well,
8: thanks, Joe, and hi, everyone. Uh, you know, I live here in the uh, San Francisco East Bay a couple of years ago. A grocery chain went out of business, and I didn't hear anybody proclaim that the market for food has, uh, was on its way out. Uh it's just amazing the number of people who seem to take delight in predicting the death of this or that. I wrote about this a couple of weeks ago. Uh you know Jason Jason Calacanis has proca- uh, proclaimed that blogs are dead. Uh Steve Rubel says that by 2012 we will see the end of all tangible media. Uh meantime, I have a friend who works for Blurb and they uh they they blew away their extended forecast numbers publishing books uh print on demand. Uh, yeah, there is a market for this. If you look at the statistics, uh, and there, there, there are plenty of them out there. I've got them from Pew. I've got them from Arbitron, Edison Media Research. The audience for podcasts continues to grow. It was up 300% around the middle of this year. Uh, the number of podcasts continue to grow. Mainstream media adoption of podcasting uh, it continues to see a lot of uh, uptake. I know here on uh, I think it's, uh, K- KCBS, the local um, cbs news radio affiliate if you miss the five-minute interview between the sportscaster and john madden that takes place every day uh... there's no worry you can subscribe to the podcast and never miss it And we're seeing more and more of these kinds of shows being adopted on on the mainstream media front Yeah, the thing that makes podcasting a viable medium as far as i'm concerned has nothing to do with the channel or the technology it's the niche content uh... You know Grammar Girl is one of my favorite podcasts, and I just can't imagine uh, you know taking that concept to CBS or you know one of the uh, terrestrial radio stations and 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 selling it as a show that fits into their format of having to be at least an hour long, probably three, and attract advertisers. But people who care about or interested in grammar now have a channel where they can go pull that down and and hear the things they're interested in. The same with uh, paramedics public relations people and marketers, you name it. Uh, there's, there's a market for this content that just isn't viable through the traditional channels that is viable here. Uh, for a lot of us, making money isn't important. I know that for Neville and me, when we do for immediate release, we have a couple of sponsors that cover some of our costs. But you know, the, the benefit we get from this, if we're looking for a benefit at all, um, is marketing. I mean, we're both getting work. We're both getting recognized. Uh, we're both getting asked to speak more. Uh, as a result of uh, having a, a, a always growing audience of people who are interested in what we have to say. It'll never be the same audience that uh, you know Glenn Beck gets on the radio or, or you know, some of the talk show hosts, uh, but that's fine because the sphere of influence is smaller. The people who are interested in what we have to say uh, based on the theme is smaller. Uh, but that's just the point. As somebody says, you know, there's really no content out there for this particular profession or this particular brand of entertainment or whatever it is, they can start a podcast and create content that didn't exist before. Uh, you know, I don't care what people call it. Uh, I, I think um, Leo Laporte is out there still calling it netcasting and plenty of people download this week in tech. Uh, but, uh, yeah, all of the statistics I see, all of the evidence I see suggests that this is uh, still on a, a tremendous growth path. And uh, it's just – I think just people like to – sit around and and, and proclaim that things are dying. I do think, though, that what's needed to kick podcasting into the next phase, uh, and I've been saying this for some time, is a device that lets you subscribe out of the air. Uh, You know, The Sony Reader, the the eBook, I had one, it was nice, but you had to go to your computer and buy your book and download it and then sync the Reader. Along comes the Kindle, and you can get your books right off the device with no sync to the computer. Uh, I was real hopeful when Apple came out with the iTouch that they would uh, make that possible, considering they're the number one source of podcast subscriptions anyway opted not to, so we're still waiting for that uh, that, that one click device that, that makes it easier and easier to uh, to, to subscribe. I think you know, technically uh, it's a little cumbersome for some people who don't use their computers this way all the time, but uh, I, I just think it's absurd uh i i've stopped paying attention to these these folks who proclaim the death of this and that whether it's podcasting or something else
2: you know shell well, something that's interesting and it's kind of um i think about it a lot is whether the iphone has actually been uh good or bad for podcasting i'll explain to you what i mean um one thing that i noticed myself and i've said this on Jaffe juice a few times and some people have have been a little critical of it which is the fact that i'm listening to less and less podcast or at least less than I used to listen to why because of video because of not just video podcasting but everything else like you know I've become a, a big fan of uh, of the closer and I've been and I'm on season four already on my iPhone um, the other so, so that's been an interesting thing also with all the apps and and games and 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 applications and stuff like that I, I tend to play a little bit more than I used to um, so that's one part of it now on the flip side um, and I don't know if you know this, but, but on iTunes now, you can download podcasts on your iPhone directly um, with a Wi-Fi connection. And I wonder... Yeah, but can what, you subscribe? Can you subscribe? I don't know. Does anyone know the answer no. to that? You, you cannot subscribe using the iPhone.
8: Right. And I think that's what's missing.
2: But it's coming, right? We've got to believe. And, and you've got to believe also with a right Wi-Fi with connection,
8: you'll be able to listen to
2: this talk show live stream through your iPhone as well.
7: Right? Maybe. Hey, Joe. It's Mitch. Yes. Um. Yeah, this is such an interesting part of it too. The technology really does suck right now, and that's why the early adopters like us get it because we can fumble around with this stuff and sort of figure our way out, or or post a question to Twitter and get. Uh, our other freaks to to sort of chime in, but that's really the big barrier here. Is I mean, just think about it. What does subscribing mean? It's so obscure. Is it free? Is it paid? How do I do that? You got to find this little thing in iTunes or or find it through a Google search. You got to then download this file. People are bad at downloading files still. Uh, you got to be able to tr- get this transferred over to your iPod or your other portable device. I know that the the big thing is that most people listen to podcasts on their computers. I get that. But I mean, the real point is is to get there. Uh, You know, playing with my iPod Touch now and watching it work Wi-Fi, pretty good, but you're right, no subscription component. So there's a little bit of like go back to first day of the browser. And remember what it was like to find content when there wasn't even hyperlinks. And just remember that when podcasting finds our hyperlinks, our ability to move seamlessly from place to place and be able to aggregate and link and you know, then bookmark stuff, et cetera, et cetera, we're going to have a much easier time with this. And, you know, it's not about changing the name podcasting. It's not about changing the term RSS. I think, you know, those are dead horses that I don't want to beat on anymore. I just think we need to figure out whether it's technically or how we communicate it. And, you know, I don't think it's just going to simply be a, a YouTube video on Common Craft uh, that's, going to, that's going to do this. Uh, but that is to me, is one of the biggest barriers. I know that when I show people podcasting, video, audio, they freak out. The fact that they can be their own, you know, radio programmer, that they can set their own pace, that they can pause it in the car and continue listening to the office, that they can uh, call in, that they can be a part of it, that it's small enough that they can be a part of the community too, not just a lonesome listener. Uh, they're blown away by it, and I think there's a bit of education, and there's a bit of technology that's going to get us to the point. And then you've got to look at it a little further and go, well, that's where the money is later. Uh, that's when advertisers, media companies, or even just doing content in general as your media channel becomes more valuable. I believe GE, a Whirlpool, who both do podcasts, would be even more successful if it was easier for people to get them and find them. And so just keep all that in mind. It's really early to have this conversation, but I'm totally with with Shell on this, too. We We have severe technical limitations right now.
8: But even with those limitations, Mitch, the number of listeners and the number of shows continues to grow. Yeah, right on.
4: Yeah.
7: And that's, but, but to
8: me, that's the biggest power of this channel. It's the niche. It's the fact
7: that, you know, Mitch Joel can go and subscribe to a marketing podcast, a, a PR podcast, a poker podcast, a magic Pat, whatever it might be. I don't have to wait and hope that, you know, A&E or the Learning Channel produce a show and put it out for me. It, this stuff is out there for me. And so I think that that attraction, you're right, Shell, weighs over. The technical limitations, meaning I'm willing to jump through some hoops to make that content really happen and work for me. So
2: any any comments or questions? Otherwise, we're going to move over to Terry Follis and then to
4: Graham Girl. Yeah, uh, Joseph, it's Adam. I'd just make, make, like to make one observation. Um, you know, this whole conversation is based around one guy saying that because one company may be going out of business, therefore an entire industry movement uh, an entire uh, universe of media is now dead or no longer valid I mean it's like saying newspapers are dead because their circulation is going down uh, when everyone very well knows that in 50 years from now we'll still have some form of newspapers and in our case the consumption is going up yeah, right, on.
2: right I mean th- that that <laughs> exactly right and I, I remember I've in my presentations, I've been using these uh, somewhat anecdotal and I think there, there's some backup somewhere and, and if not, then I just made them up, but people seem to like them. Um, but one is that there are more podcasts than there are radio stations in the world and I've been using that for about two or three years now. Uh, the other one is I, I often quote um, something that you said, Adam, which is you know the 550 rule and this is now <laughs> year two of that, which is in five years' time, 50 perc- 50% of all content will be created by consumers. The other thing that's interesting, and this actually is validated, is that of the IM generation, i.e. those that are born after 1980, 62% of content that they consume comes from people that they know personally. Now, of course, there are a few little asterisks or caveats. One is that doesn't mean that those people created the content, but certainly they curated or recommended that content. Think about a Facebook feed um, as well. But it is, you know, when, I, when I, I always ask someone in the audience, anybody born after 1980, and I say, what do you think about that number 62%? Most of them say that number is too low, you know. And, of course, the concept of Friendship 2.0 comes into it, which is, hey, I've never met you, but I feel like I know you. So there's also another degree of this intimacy this asynchronous intimacy so yeah i mean you know i mean going back to what you were saying adam and 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 that's the point of this call the sky is not falling you know
4: Uh, and and we and yeah let let, let me just simplify it a little bit more So there is, I think there's a very distinct uh, difference between what I believe Podango is doing, what I know Medio is doing, what a number of other companies are doing. They're trying to build a successful business. Um, building a, a media business is a very cost-intensive, inten- cost very long road to travel. And if you don't know that going in, if you are not prepared to spend many, many years um, and possibly fail then then you shouldn't start and it doesn't matter if you're doing that with podcasting if you're doing it with an online web magazine if it's a radio station a satellite radio if it's cable television it does not matter MTV wasn't profitable for the first eight years of its existence and had three owners I mean th- this is very very typical for media where it has to grow you
2: know Jay Moona had a comment earlier I don't know Jay uh Jay, you're online, right? Yeah. Um, Why don't you talk about this idea? Because I think it's a really interesting point that podcasting itself has these three hats or three lives, so to speak.
7: Well,
9: I think – I mean, the thing I was just – well, maybe it wasn't me that made the comment that you were thinking of. I thought you were thinking of the comment that I made about business models. Yeah, no, it uh, was because it's media
2: technology, media platform, and this idea of – you know.
9: yeah, I mean, I was sort of thinking of it as Shell was saying, you know, a, a, a grocery store closing doesn't mean a, a change, you know, away from people eating food. And I mean, I, I think, I, you know, I think so-and-so is dead is a great headline. And, and it's, you know, journalists like to, to write, you know, a 53-line a, a headline like, you know, car industry dead or podcasting dead or newspaper dead. You know, it's, it's trickier and more faceted to say the business models are changing. And, you know, I think a great example of that is newspapers yeah. where, you know, people are proclaiming that, you know, the newspaper industry is dead. Well, the newspaper industry as we know it yeah, it may well be dead. And, and you know, the media industry as we know it in general I think is changing. But I think that those technologies are going to be supporting new business models and the new technologies are going to be supporting new business models. So people like Adam who are working on things that are new because this stuff is not only is it evolving in terms of itself but it's evolving in terms of its place in a changing uh landscape of you know what we were doing with old media you know people aren't doing anymore are they moving money into something new you know what's more effective but i I think the idea of saying you know these things are are dead or dying is i i just always think of it as intellectual laziness I, i just think you know it's sort of like you know if people think that, for instance, cars aren't ever going to be made in North America when, you know, when and if you know GM and Chrysler close their doors. I mean, it's it's they're right. just they're just companies that do something today to meet a need, and, and you know someone else will, will come in and, and fill in the gap. I think.
10: Well, so, you I mean, know, let me
2: let, let me just take the conversation in a, in a, in a in a slightly different direction for a second, which is you know my personal belief is that it is specifically that podcasting, uh, there are two. One is that I believe that podcasting of all these nice, bright, shiny tools, including Virtual Worlds or at least Second Life as it was and Twitter, is the single biggest opportunity and the single most underutilized uh, um, opportunity for marketers. In other words, the corollary of that is that podcasting is not living up to its potential. And, and that's something that, I'm, that I wrap my brain thinking, am I not doing a, a good enough job evangelizing it? Uh, should I be writing more about it? You know, what about this, this infamous podcasting advertising bureau that I haven't seen anything come out of it? Bless you, are podcasts
1: doing what they need to
2: do? Are they uh, managing to bring in new audiences or is it still kind of more inward focus or fishbowl or incestuous in a sense? So I guess my point here is that, is that I'm trying to, to, to think about whether podcasting itself, um, it, what's it going to take to get to the next level? And I want to give you one example, going back to even what Adam was saying. Yes, even though it's one person who said something and was misunderstood or misreported or misrepresented or didn't, or in fact was trying to get some kind of a controversy, I remember the hype of Second Life. I remember all the mainstream media articles that praised it and hyped it and then dehyped it. I remember being sandbagged by a reporter from Wired magazine that was sent on a, uh, a kamikaze mission, so to speak, by Chris Anderson to write uh, a kill piece on Second Life who misrepresented okay. what his goal and what his intention was in the meeting and guess what? Had never Push ever two and four. Had never ever set Locker. foot. Uh, sorry, somebody, is, I may have to stop muting people, had never even set foot in Second Life before. But it was unbelievable to me how many marketers that I spoke to referred to this article as if this article was truth. So again, the flip side of that is, is why are articles being written about Twitter and not enough about podcasting? And what can we do as an industry to make sure that people really understand the true potential and impact of podcasting? So I'm kind of putting that stake in the ground. You don't have to respond to it straight away, anyone, quite frankly, but I do want to make sure that Terry and and, uh, and Go have an opportunity to speak.
3: Well, let me let me be brief because uh, much of what I wanted to say uh, has already come up a couple of times. As usual, Shell and, uh, and Adam and Mitch and others have, have taken the words right out of my mouth. Uh, it's Terry Follis from the Inside PR podcast. I, I think the health and the potential of podcasting is... Really, in the eye of the beholder it it's depends on your perspective and what your goals are if you're If you're a business person whose singular goal has been to try and find a lucrative business model that you can make a whole pile of money on podcasting, I can understand why some people would suggest that podcasting has not yet lived up to its potential. We're investing a huge amount of of energy and time uh, as a community to try and figure out how to do that, and maybe that's not the right approach. If you take a different perspective, if you are interested in reaching and nurturing a community, if you're interested in providing good content to an eager audience who are starved for good content, uh, if you're interested in, in offering a public service or a service back to your profession or your, to your community – podcasting is an extraordinarily powerful tool. It's versatile. The barriers to entry are relatively low, uh, and it puts the power in in our own hands. So if you're a member of the community, uh, I think podcasting's potential and health uh, is very, very strong. I just think we haven't figured out, and I'm not sure we want to figure out, how to make a pile of money using podcasting? Because <clears throat> I think that's inevitably going to change the community feel that has been, I think, at the core of podcasting's uh, success. Here ended the sermon.
2: Right, well, I'm going to. If anyone wants to respond to
7: that, go for it. Otherwise, I'm going to turn it over to Grandma McGill. Yeah, it's Mitch. I want to just hop in a second on that because it's such an important thing. Uh, I was blogging about this actually just last night. The idea of media fragmentation has been completely like ignored and just sort of callously put aside. When media fragmentation happens, the dollars get divided. Sometimes the pie grows a little bit, but for the most part, the pie gets divided. And so when you look at newspapers and you look at radio and you look at podcasts and all this stuff, just realize that those media dollars are going to be dispersed and balanced out differently depending on where the advertiser sees the most uh, opportunity in ROI. When that happens, is there's just less money. So you know, are the newspapers making less money? Yes. Are they making not a lot of money? No, it's not. You know, it is a lot. It's not a lot of money compared to the money they used to make when they were the only game in town. And I think what we're just seeing is, you know, all of us are are, are so excited about this because we're in the middle of this really different and dynamic revolution where individuals can also be these publishers. The cost, the barrier to entry, is nil. You know, don't believe me. Read Clay Shirky's book. Here comes everybody. It's it's all right there and in there fine. My only comment to sort of add on to what Terry just said is that I also think we have to draw a very thick line between people who are creating content as media. My example would be, for example, the Whirlpool, the American Family Podcast, or even my podcast, Six Pixels, which is really just me talking about marketing and media, but my hopes are that people want to hire me as a speaker, engage my you know, my agency as as their digital agency of record, et cetera, et cetera. And then there's the advertising media side of it, which is Uh, Should you have ads on a podcast? Where would you put ads? What type of ads? What type of podcast? What type of shows? And I think the, the confusion for at least what I'm listening to this conversation is really a bit around that where it's almost like we keep sliding in and out of both. And I think we have to be very clear in are you podcasting to create content as a way to get people attracted to you, your business, your opportunities? So like Shell and Neville, they take some advertising on for media release, but the real net gain of them is speaking gigs and hiring them to be there you know, to, for communications purposes, et cetera, et cetera, versus other shows that maybe are more part of Adam's side where people are there just producing content because they love it, and that extra revenue of advertising, GoDaddy domains, et cetera, is really, really powerful and helps them keep going and that little bit of extra money goes a long way so we also as podcasters and people interested in this need to be very careful about how we explain the media channel as well
2: all right so uh grammar girl the microphone is yours
1: great thanks hi this is i'm in jan most people know me as grammar girl but i'm also the founder and managing director of the quick and dirty tips podcast network and i all this doom and gloom just doesn't match up with my experience so i've Feel like I have to come out and say we're doing great, we're doing well. Um, we have 11 shows, we do over 2 million downloads a month, and we release about 30 thousand words of edited text every month. So we're essentially producing, you know, a magazine every month. Um, you know, we are in this as a business. It's, you know, we respect people who aren't and see that, you know, there are hobbyists and there are people who are using podcasting to promote their other business lines. But we're in it as a business and we're profitable. We have, you know, we support two full-time people, a few contractors, and Joseph, you were asking, you know, what can we do to raise the profile of podcasting? Well, in 2009, we're going to be hiring a PR person to do more to get quick and dirty tips and podcasting out there in the media. So that's what we're doing. And, you know, I, I even get frustrated with people saying that podcasting as a business is evolving because our business is exactly what we thought it would be when we started it in 2006. We always thought it would be a diversified business with podcasting as the base. You know, we, it's difficult to scale content, but, but we produce our content with this in mind. We have podcasts, but we also put full transcripts of our articles online. So we have essentially a you know, web magazine. We slice and dice our stuff into um, daily tips, uh, weekly tips, books. We're hoping to do calendars. We do audio books, long and short form. Um, Joseph, you were asking – Good. what they hear in audio, you know, you hear something great, and then you, you don't remember it later. So we've launched email newsletters that support our podcast, and we found that when we did that, the book sales went up. You know, we mentioned the podcast, and then we put a link in the email newsletter, and when we do that, sales go up. So, you know, definitely giving people a link is is a great thing to be able to do. Um, you know, we have all this diversified content, but, you know, I definitely, I, I want to Agree with Mitch and say that we do sell CPM ads. Podcasts ads are our bread and butter; it, it's our base. You know, we have these other things like books, but you know, a book takes over a year to produce, and podcast advertising, we get that revenue every month, and that is our bread and butter. And our advertisers tell us they're happy and they come back for more. So, you know, it, it's it's working for us.
2: Well, you know, I, I, be, before before I respond to a couple of things, the one thing is I can't. I can't waste this opportunity to ask you the question, why do so many Americans uh, confuse your with your? Why are you apostrophe <laughs> R-E with why you are? Because it, it drives me crazy. Uh,
1: apparently, we are just confused by apostrophes. <laughs> you you know, put an apostrophe in the world, and, and I don't know about Brit- Britons, but Americans you know, go, cra- go crazy willy-nilly running around the room waving hands in the air.
2: Well, I'm going to forgive you for uh, confusing uh, uh, British with South African, but that's okay. You know, I mean, look, you know, you said that you said that you that that you kind of are maybe not irritated, but but you're not so sure that this is evolving because it is exactly what you thought uh, it would be uh, in many respects. And and that's an interesting point, because, you know, I mean, here I am, I'm having this conversation, I'm I'm. I'm ecstatic that so many of you that that I'm fans, you know, Grammar Girl, Adam, people showing up to this call, and I'm talking on a landline. I'm actually talking on a landline. I still have one of those. So is this even podcasting anymore? I mean, you know, it's, it's interesting, but I think this itself, what we're doing today is an evolution of sorts, but yet at its core, I think you might be right. It is still as pure, you know, and as beautiful as it once was. I mean, for those of you that heard the, the intro to Jassy Juice. Somebody said to me the other day, because this is my third talk show episode I'm doing, they said, were you using Casblast and just holding the phone to your PC? And I said, well, yes, I was. <laughs> and and that's, that's part of my charm. I don't have a mixer. I don't have a MIDI. I don't know how to do any. I don't have an amp. I don't even know what those things mean. But I'm still using Casblast and Audacity and Libsyn you know, and a 30-buck microphone from Radio Shack. And I love that. I love the fact that it's still that raw, in a sense, that I can experiment, that I can give away an iPhone for an episode, that I can sing karaoke. For me, it has become an art form. And yes, I do everything that some of you are doing too in terms of, in terms of speaking and in terms of that, but also in terms of sometimes even being able to monetize my podcast. So I guess one of the things I'm picking up is it's what you want it to be, and it is yeah. versatile, and it is flexible, and that's part of the beauty, isn't it?
8: So isn't that
1: the same for all media? I mean, some people will do it as a hobby, and some people will use it as a marketing tool, and other people will treat it as a business. I mean, it it's like any. I mean, you're saying like other forms of media. There are people who publish, you know, this Condé Nast who publishes magazines, and then there are people who have websites, and then there are people who have just zines that they, you know, at least in the old days they used to photocopy off and mail to 20 people. I mean, you, it, it is what you make it.
4: So oh, and uh, yeah, uh, it's Adam. I was just going to say, you know, uh, just for yucks, you know, um, go to your go to your cable TV. Most people have cable these days, and start at channel one or two, whatever it is, and just go, you know, go up, and you know, you think, wow, it's television, it's cable, it's you know, this is where all the money is. Look, there's public access, there's God channels there's uh, c-span there's all these different business models all kinds of uh for-profit non-profit models it should be no different uh, the only thing that's different uh in uh what we're talking about is that anyone can do it and you can do it for any reason any way you like you want to do it at pay pay-per-view pay-per-play you know all those models are available that's the only real difference is the technology is made available for everybody i don't think that there is um, any particular industry or model that you can say this is podcasting. So I I kind of, you know, I hate to say it, but, you know, to me, all it is is just a a, a technical terminology at this point. Okay, I know podcasting. I know how to get that. I know where it is. It's online. Um, But but it doesn't mean because it's online that it can't be as successful or as uh, unsuccessful as any other media uh, conduit.
7: I think Adam is I think Adam's so spot on, too, because if you look at even what's becoming more and more popular in traditional mass media channels, it's specialty, and it's actually, actually specialty TV. And if you look at what makes so podcasting so amazing, it's specifically that. It's that niche content. And so I actually think that what we're seeing is mass media trying to adapt to this new channel where people can really create content that's relevant and meaningful to them. And that's where I think things are starting to get really interesting. Like I find it fascinating that TV is banking everything they have on this idea of, uh, you know, especially TV. And then also look at time shifting and DVRs and TVRs. This is podcasting. It's the exact same thing. Adam is so spot on.
4: And, 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 and I'll just add to that, that, um, If you want, so what we're doing, and we're building um, actually four media networks, and uh, we spend a tremendous amount of money on uh, here's a real foreign concept apparently on marketing. Uh, We have um, many different forms, but we also will go out and buy Google ads and say, hey, would you like to uh, find out about the hottest gadgets? Well, come to Tech." You know, so just like it, look at television. It's not like um, when um, American Idol is the number one show and has 20 million people uh, tuning in every week. They don't stop marketing. They don't stop advertising. No, they crank it up. You get more billboards, more commercials, uh, more newspaper ads. They have huge PR teams that uh, that go around to all the all the talk shows. I mean, it's a tremendous amount of money. It is a very simple business when it Media is very very simple. So. Unfortunately, and maybe this is the real crux of what we're talking about here, um, if you want to attract a big audience, you have to give the audience what it wants. The big audiences, really, it's quite flat, it's it's almost boring and dull because they just really want flashy stuff, really quick, bite-sized, let me get in and get out. The people who are going to, and this kind of brings it back to the beginning of the conversation about auditory learning, the people who are interested in an alternative topic, something that is not perhaps mainstream, that audience by definition is just going to be much, much smaller. It doesn't mean that that audience is more valuable, except perhaps for that very specific topic that is being discussed. So at the end of the day, it all remains, all the media uh, rules remain in place, but look at guest 31 in the chat room. You know, it's, it's this typical uh, BS of, oh, well, you know, if you're not in iTunes top 100, then you don't count, and then, you know, so it's not fair, and it's, uh, you know, it's, it, you know what, we spend a lot of time, effort, and money on promoting our programming to get it into the top 100 if that's important to us, or to get it listed in, uh, in, in a, a mainstream publication. I mean, that is how it works. And if not, then you, you, you should only expect what you're putting into it.
1: Adam, I have a question for you about the name change. There's one thing I don't get. You said that having Pod in your name was a problem, and when you changed it to Medio, you saw an immediate change. But So what do the media buyers think they're buying now? I mean, you're still a podcast, right? How did? I mean, are you being presented as, as radio or something? I don't, I don't quite get the, how the name change makes a difference.
4: Uh, it's not the media buyers. The media buyers understand what we're doing. The media buyers can't sell it to their clients because then they have to explain what podcasting is. And you're absolutely right. If if uh, if the media buyer goes to their client and says, "Well, we've got some great great podcasting opportunities," the client will say, "Oh, maybe." But it's always the first thing to get cut off the list when the budget is is tightened, which it always does. Um, uh, so they're typically selling it as uh, either online video views in the case of video, or internet radio. That's literally what they're saying. I will. I, I
2: will add one thing as well, which is, um, you know, what what we do, uh, what Crayon does, is we work directly with marketers, and and we really are not pushing it for the sake of pushing it. But what we've also done is we've instead of selling a podcast uh, unto itself, as in that's what it is we're now selling um, a solution of which a podcast is one of the many ways of extending, repurposing, um, distributing the content that is created as part of the solution. And, and the way that we position it is this idea of planting a seed, literally a seed of conversation, that you know, week one you're going to have three people and month one you might have three people and month six you may have 50 people. But if you build, and, and I think it is pursuant to this idea of giving the audience, in this case, what it wants, but, but also being, being relevant and utilitarian and engaging, entertaining, etc. etc. it is this idea of the oak tree that can be created over years and years. So there is this idea of, of podcasting, this direct-to-consumer approach, which I think is, is still somewhat of an advertising-type product, i.e. it's part of a marketing budget, but yet it's you know it's less about the ads and it's more about being able to brand um, over time. So that's just one approach that we we personally um, have taken, and it seems to slowly but surely be resonating.
6: Hey um, Joe.
2: Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead and finish your thought. Who is it? This is Cliff. Oh, hey Cliff. No, no, that's fine. You jump in, and then I want to give a. Uh, Poor Lee Hopkins, of mine, because he woke up at 4.30 this morning uh, to be one of our hosts. And then, of course, just keep the conversation going. All right. So well, I, I,
5: I'll, I'll be briefer than the last time, or more brief, uh, Grammar Girl. Uh, anyway, mm-hmm. basically what I was going to say is I've done all the different revenue models, and, and I'm doing it independently. And, and what I'm saying is that you know, I'm, I'm being able to make this work. I, I'm not in the top 100 of any list anywhere. Uh, and, and yet I'm still able to work this thing out. Recently, I, I canceled a sponsor for one of my shows, and it's something I canceled on my end because I wanted to go
8: to,
5: <clears throat> I wanted to, go to the premium model on this particular show. Uh, to this date, that was about three months ago. To this date, on a daily basis, this person that was a sponsor of my uh, particular show that I canceled, to this day, he is daily getting people who are um, calling him on a consistent basis saying, I need you to help me out with your services. I heard about you on, on Cliff's show. So, I mean, that's going to be there for the next 10 years mm. in the archives. Uh, today people are saying, you know, I just found out about you. Just so you know, I just downloaded the most recent 90 episodes,
2: and I right. listened to them all. I actually just want to jump in because a question was asked uh, of me, which is, does everyone expect that on-demand audio? Well, I guess it's for everyone. Then, does everyone expect that on-demand audio to grow to, to grow as an advertising-driven media? But I want to answer it two ways, which I think are quite interesting. One is, and one is to use GoDaddy as an example, and one is to just use uh, Cliff as an example. So I was on GSPN.tv. I'll start with Cliff first, and I was watching the U stream of of him podcasting, right? So. Uh, and I see an overlay ad, ironically an ad, for, li- for this phenomenal pen that I qu- that's called li- uh, Livescribe, which I bought, and I love it, and I recommend it, and I have no incentive to recommend it, but it is the most awesome thing that I've ever bought in terms of writing notes on a beautiful pad and then, and then having those notes sync with my computer and be able to search them and slice them and dice them and create audio transcription for these notes, and that's how I intend to write my next book as well. Um, but think about, think about that extended reach that's happening right now and everybody that listens to the show and all of you that, that may play this portion of audio on your show as well. And then the question, of course, comes down to somewhere along the line, is this a long tail? You know, is this a long tail of ROI? How does that get bundled in and how does Cliff know about it and how does Cliff figure out how to bring that back? To his show now GoDaddy is another phenomenal example and, and and whether this came from from uh well then pod show now Mevio uh slash Adam Curry or came from GoDaddy but kudos to them because of the fact that all of those codes are now forever carved in stone in this google world that we live in and every single time that I have to register a domain I just go and I type whether it's you know whether it's um, uh, uh geek brief tv or or daily source code i just type these codes in you know and they still work today and i don't know and, and and it's just brilliant the fact that this campaign has has extended and be and taken on a life of its own and i hope that GoDaddy never disconnects these codes and i hope that they continue to pay mevio and the podcasters themselves because this is a new model for marketing this really is the long tail of roi so, I think well, that as we think about advertising and i'll just uh, I'll just say five seconds more, we also have to think about the fact that in this podcasting world, it's not about exposure uh, initial exposure as an end unto itself, but as a, an entry point or a beginning to something that is far more substantial.
4: Can now done I'll, I'll just. I'll just jump in just real quickly, then Joseph. Um, just just so we understand, um, you know, GoDaddy is Media at this point in time, as far as I know, is the largest affiliate GoDaddy has. Um, you know, we're we're now doing the same thing for eHarmony. We're doing it uh, for Brookstone. I mean, this is not this is an advertising model which we experimented with four years ago. And it is now finally taking off. Now companies are calling us and saying, hey, you know, you guys are doing something different. Not quite sure what it is. How does it work? And when they hear that they get all the marketing for free, because that's essentially how, how it works, and when someone is plugging their, their offer in, uh, in their program, you get all the marketing for free. And they only pay when a sale has taken place. It's a beautiful world. And the Gap is doing it. I and mean, big, big companies are getting into this. So while everyone's running around, and although I'm certain that there is a lot of CPM business, I I see the future completely in transactions, uh, in in a transactional model uh, where uh, no cure, no pay, where everything is built in. And what I think we've done very successfully is we have, and this is a critical point, when you get an offer from a Mevio program, you cannot get that product cheaper anywhere else online or in retail that's what we do just like home shopping network we go out we negotiate we negotiate bonus rounds so if our producers uh are doing well then um then their uh, their stake uh uh, can often double depending on the deal i mean it's a it's a very uh it's a beautiful business and I encourage everyone, as I did Michael Gohagen, who kind of sparked this whole conversation, to take a look at it because it is huge. Everyone can be a part of it. And as you say, Joseph, it has a very long tail because, indeed, um, when you're doing show uh posting your codes in association with your programming, and we, we spend a lot of effort on uh, SEO as well, it pays off.
1: There's well, one thing I'd like to throw in here because Quick and Dirty Tips is different. More than half of our traffic comes from older episodes from our archives, and the way we view it is what matters is not when a show was produced, but when it's downloaded. So we don't keep ads in our shows forever when we sell them. We, we, you know, we're paid on a CPM. So. You know, people get what they pay for. And then we tend to leave the ads in as a courtesy for two or three months. But eventually, we take those ads out and we resell the space in the shows because they're being downloaded you know, new all the time. And so we you know, put announcements in them. We put affiliate ads in our archive shows or we sell them to advertisers. So not everyone is leaving ads in their shows forever.
10: So,
2: so what I didn't realize is Lee Hopkins literally is joining us from the future because it's 2009 in Australia. So tell us about 2009. Are we still in a recession or have we come out of it, Lee?
10: What's amazed me about 2009, and I'm rapidly going into 2010 as we speak, uh, is that um, a lot of the economy has uh, picked itself back up um, including podcasting. Um, look, seriously, I think it's a regional thing. I know Michael Netsley talked about this in, in FIR recently, but uh, all, all of the stuff that I hear about podcasting and, and uh, vodcasting, vidcasting, whatever you want to call it, um, it, it seems to be a sort of a, a northern hemispheric um, uh, to a large extent rather than the southern hemispheric. And yes, I know there's going to be, uh, there's going to be examples where uh, that, that's not true. But uh, it, it, it just strikes me that over here in the sort of more the, the Australasian end of the world, um, the whole podcasting thing really has not taken off. Video, YouTube is huge. Facebook is huge. Um, social networking is huge. But but uh, podcasting itself, or vidcasting, or whatever, it it just hasn't taken off. And so I'm I'm curious because I know the numbers are going up for sure. You know, looking at a global perspective, but is anyone able to weigh in on where they see that traffic coming from? Is the traffic coming from principally uh, the USA and Europe, or, or or is it coming? Is there more and more traffic uh, and monetizable traffic coming from? Um, that meet um, the end of the world. And, and I open the mic up to, to those who can who can uh, sort of you know, comment on that. So over to you.
2: Anyone want to respond for Lee?
1: I guess I could say the the probably about 75% of our traffic comes from the U.S. and Canada. And then the next biggest chunk is Europe and then Asia. So we haven't seen a huge change in those proportions over the last year?
2: You know, for me, it's all about bandwidth. And, and as I've uh, returned to, you know, just visiting South Africa or being in Australia myself or, or anywhere else in the world that I fly to on a regular basis, um, there are still issues with bandwidth. And it's the one thing that certainly uh, certainly we have as an advantage in North America and to a lesser degree in Europe in terms of not having metered bandwidth. And you know, It brings up a whole bunch of, of, of related topics leading up to net neutrality, but the fact remains that may have been one of the reasons why it is still predominantly uh, concentrated um, you know, in the northern hemisphere and certainly North America, but inevitably it will change. It has to. That's just a response.
10: I think, I think bandwidth is, uh, is a crucial point. And, uh, but, but even so, when you're looking at com- countries who do have phenomenal bandwidth, like uh, Japan, for example, or, or um, uh, what's another one? Uh, South Korea, I think, from uh, memory, have phenomenal bandwidth. Um, they, they just, um, it's, it's, the podcasting thing just isn't happening there.
2: Well, again, you know, I think there's going to be some kind of equalization um, and leveling of the playing fields over time. I have this conversation with many people uh, about mobile itself, because, you know, again, coming from South Africa initially, and you know, I've been in the U.S. Well, I mean, those of you that know know me know I've been here for about 11 years, but I just couldn't believe how backward it was here in, in the U.S. in terms of just devices and, I mean, you know, those of you in Europe today, you know that that to be true in Europe versus the U.S. So the U.S. has had the dominance, at least, or uh, in a broadband PC-enabled world, whereas in other countries that are more bandwidth-constrained, mobile is head and shoulders ahead. But, again, my point is that I think we're going to see some kind of equalization. But I guess the, the point is to be able to reconcile and move forward is – does it come back to, you know, education? So maybe I'll steer it in this direction again, which is, you know, do, what should we be doing right now? I mean, have we done enough? I don't think so. Could we do more? Yes. Well, what would that be? And, and do we have enough case studies? Do we have enough success stories? Do we need to be educating more and better? You know, again, going back to the fact, are podcamps, do we need to get fresh blood into podcasts? Just some thoughts maybe from those of you, including... You know some of the guests that haven't uh, that haven't uh, up yet. You guys can join in at any time. Hey Joe, it's, it's Joe, can I just uh, jump
10: in right there? Go ahead, Lee. Go ahead, Lee. Yeah, it's just that um, I think it, you know the growth of, of podcasting is exactly the same as um, what I witnessed with uh, with blogging technology. In that, yeah, the technology was very clunky and uh, very awkward, and for for years. Um, it was just really just a geek thing, um, and then suddenly, around about you know 2004, it, suddenly the technology became available that it became a lot easier for Joe Public to suddenly became his, become his own Rupert Murdoch, and I think the technology has not yet happened for uh, podcasting but it will and I think you know if you if we give podcasting the same amount of time that we gave you know that the, the blogging seemed to want to take um, the, you know and give the population a chance to catch up I think this uh, this discussion will be, um, will be will be totally different in two to three years time um, but I appreciate that uh, you know as Mitch said earlier on it's the it's the technology that, that enables us to, to sync sync uh, on the fly um, you know, with our smartphones, that uh, will really revolutionise it. Thanks.
7: It, yes, yeah, it's, it's Mitch. Now, um, it's, this is really fascinating to me because of what I'm hearing, Joe, also is a subtle undertone. I'm seeing it for sure in the chat room, um, and I'm sort of hearing it, I guess, from a lot of the the people on the phone here. And I, I'd love some thoughts about this, which is there seems to be this feeling of like podcasting equals indie. It's about the little guy and and their voice, and that you know, these big old companies are coming in uh, and, and, and producing podcasts that are sort of storming the top 10 or top 100 charts at iTunes, or, you know, Adam is is, is bringing all these people together and creating this, this media empire, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, being in the, from the music industry for so many years, this was the constant battle cry of indie musicians, like, why do major labels ignore us? We can't get into record stores. We can't get out to the public, et cetera, et cetera. And I find it such an interesting conversation for us to have in terms of podcasting and really the future of it, because... Look, uh, let's take musicians, never before in the history of humanity, sure you can't sell CDs anymore, but never before have you been able to do whatever kind of quirky music you like, set up a MySpace page for free, um, or Bebo, whatever it might be, and get your music out to millions of people, as long as you are actively out there and don't suck, you can pretty much build an audience, get attention, get people to come to your show, uh, get people to buy, you know, maybe buy some music online, etc., etc., But there really does seem to, for me, from my perspective in podcasting, to be this real like aversion to mass media companies who want to get in on podcasting, anybody trying to make it all mass or big. And I think that that's where the conversation needs to go. I think podcasters have to talk more intelligently and fairly amongst one another and realize that, listen, if I start a podcast today and I am Dell or I start a podcast tomorrow and I'm Mitch's Computer Shack in Montreal, we both have access to the exact same audience. Yes, Dell can buy their way to have more eyeballs, etc., etc., but in theory and practice, we all have access to the same audience. And I think that that's a great thing. I don't know why so many people are so challenged or frustrated by that. I think, if anything, indie podcasters have to, quote-unquote, step up their game if they Mm. want to reach that sort of level of notoriety. I, for one, don't really care how many listeners I have. I want to connect with people who are interested in marketing. If it's 500 people, great. If it's 50,000 people, all the better.
2: You know, Mitch, I just want to add something there, which is there's a reason why NPR, uh, if it isn't the number one podcast normally on iTunes in the business category or in the news category, um, it's in the top 10. There is a reason why, and this maybe is part of of maybe in the last 15 minutes of this conversation, and if it goes more, then that's fine. We We, we try and reframe or come up, if not an elevator pitch, but some guidelines for marketers. And I think the one is, Is that you're an established brand. You have a community. There is affinity and trust and rapport that exists already. You absolutely can go out and build this and use your packaging and use your own, you know, use those goddamn print commercials instead of a URL. How about a link to sign up to a podcast? You can go and build something and you can actually build substantial uh, audience, if not reach, uh, almost overnight. But the other thing as well, and I think this is important going back to the indie, is. You also don't have to reinvent the wheel. You can also go and identify these smaller podcasters that have been doing this for a while that have got that loyalty themselves and figure out a way to kind of, you could acquire them. How about an M&A model for podcasting? You can acquire them. You can hire them. You can sponsor them for a long period of time and co-promote the show. You can help buy them better equipment and train them to make them better you know, if they want to be. So there are a lot of different pods to, I guess, arrive at the same end point or the same solution. So I totally totally agree with your comment.
1: We've done that. When um, we needed a new host for the Modern Manners Guy podcast, there was a, 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 a manners podcaster, Trent Armstrong, whose show I'd been aware of for over a year. He did a great job. And so we hired him to do the Modern Manners Guy podcast, and he continues to do his other show, the Manners Cast. But, you know, why go hire someone new when there's someone already doing a great job.
6: Hey, (laughs) Joe, it's it's Jay Berkowitz. I just wanted to start a bit of a new thread. And you you talked about a couple things on your blog and on the chat room about awareness and about the Downloadable Media Association. I, I think there's just a huge explosion opportunity still. I mentioned on the chat that I'll speak at an event like an eBay Live or an Affiliate Summit and I'll ask anyone if they've heard of Joe Jaffe or Mitch, Joel, or Adam Curry, and only four or five hands go up. And it's just a shame that you guys are doing such great content, and we all are, everyone on this call, and it has such low awareness.
2: Which well, is, hold on. I want to know, though, of those five hands, how many of them are Joel versus Curry versus
7: Jaffe? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> but it's, no, but, but it's, 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 I knew Jaffe was going there, and I think it's such an interesting point, too, because, well how fair of a question is that and what i mean by that is you're in a room of, of people who are interested in, in ebay they're interested in marketing communications the world is very very cluttered uh, there's tons of opportunities tons of shiny new objects to stare at and podcasting is really new and you go back to sort of what i was saying earlier just finding podcasts in itunes even in itunes if you're even that far down down the funnel isn't really easy. And I think that the opportunity is more along the lines of not asking that question, but asking people this question, how many people in the room today would be interested in knowing the content, like the content I'm giving you right now for an hour, let's say, or 45 minutes is available as on demand as you want for multiple people who are way smarter than me. Would that be of interest to you? And oh, by the way, it's 100% free. I mean, we have to, we have to, we are the marketers. We are the media people. We are the communications people. We have to make it relevant to them. I think people are intimidated by this stuff, and I always, I always tell people, you know, the biggest way you can get over all of these hurdles is to try something, to do something. So people are like, start a blog. I'm like, maybe not. Maybe just comment on a blog. You know, baby step them along. Help them. Show them what the channels are and how they can communicate. I know when I tell people about things like, you know, Grammar Girl or the Daily Source Code... I get calls two weeks later that it's just they've gone down the rabbit hole. They're not subscribed to 50 podcasts. Uh, They don't know what to do with their time. They're so thrilled that they take their iPod in the car with them, uh, et cetera, et cetera. It's our job to show people that, hey, you like this? You should check out that. And I think the more and more we do that, that's how things like Twitter happen. That's how things like Second Life happen. That's how they explode into the more mass, which gets us out of the fishbowl and gets people excited about it.
9: And this is Jay Moon. I just... I wanted to jump in there, too, because one of the things that I think, and and this kind of adds on, I think, to to Mitch's point a little bit, is that, you know, we talk a lot in in, in this space around podcasting and blogging about community. And and one of the things that, you know, we we don't get into talking to too much, but I've been thinking about a lot lately is, you know, how big do community scale? Like, how much of an audience do you really want to have if you are, you know, if you are a Joel or if you are a Joseph Jaffe where, you know, you probably don't in a weird way want an audience of millions because an audience of millions isn't going to serve you as well as an audience of thousands who know you and you can have the opportunity to relate to and maybe make clients or make, make you know, converts out of them around the things that you're doing. I think there's a point where if you're going to try and keep this as a community-based thing and you're going to actually try and have relationships with the people who are you know, your audience, you get into this blurry line between audience and, and, and community – where I think, you know, it only scales so far. So I think, you know, the fact that not everybody in every room, it'd be sort of like if if there was, you know, one great plumber in the world, and everybody, you know, was calling this poor guy, you know, he had to fly to Geneva and, and, you know, Moscow to fix people's toilets because he he was considered the the greatest plumber. Well, what you really need is a local plumber. And, and, you know, local now means something different, I think, online. And I, I think... You know th- that's the opportunity is for people to serve a community that isn't necessarily around a geographic area, but you know we're we're part of a community of people who are into podcasting and into things that are you know are are, are uh, talking in a certain kind of media. And, and there was some conversation earlier about uh, Jay. I think it was you that brought up the, the idea of audio as a learning format. Well, maybe all the people who are in into audio as as their main format of learning who are into marketing are going to be the people who are going to know who Joseph Jaffe and Mitch Joel are, and the people who aren't, aren't. But there's somebody who's writing a great blog who they're going to know about, or somebody who's, who's written great books that they're going to know about that we don't know about. I, I don't know. I, I just think that community is one of those things, and thinking about scaling community is, is something I've been thinking about, and you know, I'd be curious to hear what other people have to say about that.
2: Well, I will say, I wish what? people listening in, by the way, could, could see the chat, because right now we're talking about Joe the Plumber, who now lives in Geneva. Um, so there is a... There is definitely an ominous underbelly uh, to this conversation. You know, I, I just, you know, while I'm talking, I will say one thing that, and I think this is one of the key takeaways from today. These are early days, early, early days. And the Amazon example that keeps on coming up as comments on the blogs, what was it, like five years before they even became profitable? And here we're seeing people that are profitable, you know, as individuals or boutiques or networks etc i mean i will say my personal reflection is i'm fr- I, I have frustrations with podcasting because i don't see my i don't see the numbers exploding like i wish they would uh, to me one of my end games is i'd like to be syndicated on radio or i'd like to prove to the mainstream that i began in podcasting and was able to by staying true to myself uh, end up on a different platform not not kind of giving up where i am but this idea of syndication. So I have frustrations as well, but I think the point is and the message is these are early days for podcasting and anybody that wants to get in it, and that doesn't just mean from a podcasting standpoint, as in the podcaster. It means the market as well. Is This is an investment. This really is a commitment. You can't expect to do it and expect results overnight, unless, by the way, there are exceptions. And, and Cliff, I don't know if he's still on. He's about to leave. But, I mean, you know, he started producing the Hannah Montana podcast with his, with his daughter, I think it was, talking about Hannah Montana, and he's, and he's doing the same with Lost and Heroes. And I know John Keeler in Dallas did it with Lost, with the, with the Lost cast. And before he knew it, literally in three or four episodes, he had 7,000 listeners. So, so again, what does that say amongst other things? It says brands are important and community is important. And there may be ways of kind of reverse engineering success here. Absolutely.
3: Yeah.
1: We have the same experience. It's, uh, we have the same experience. The quick, I'm sorry, the Quick and Dirty Tips shows they, they launch quickly and, and they reach their sort of natural audience size you know, within two or three weeks, and they, and they do quite well. When Grammar Girl launched, it was you know, a, a big success within about six weeks. So it can happen. And I think it can still happen for new people starting today.
7: For sure. And it's funny, Joe, like I was offered a, a radio show actually in in Montreal, but through one of the major, major, I guess, media companies to go across Canada, national radio show. And I sort of sat back and said, why would I do that? When I podcast, I have a global audience and I'd much rather connect with people globally than hope on the off chance someone's in their car on some random Saturday afternoon at 2 p.m. able to hear this piece of content. It just, it didn't make any sense for me. And this goes back to, I think what we're also all saying, which is, you know, this channel really does enable us to, uh, to attract the right type of audience, not just a random audience. And i got to tell you, as a guy who's been in marketing since the, the 80s, uh, sounding older than I am probably, that that is the most attractive type of audience any advertiser could ever want. So buckle up. Uh, enjoy the ride.
8: Mitch, well, it's just Mitch, a show. <laughs> and you know, I think it's, it's more than just a channel, and it's more than just audiences. The word I haven't heard anybody use yet is flexibility. Uh, this is, you know, podcasting, like like blogs and Twitter and so many other things in this space, is a tool. Uh, you know, we've, if you're talking about mainstream media, whether it's television or radio, they have a single uh, channel. They need to fill it with content in order to attract the advertising dollars, in order to sustain their business model. With a podcast, you can decide what kind of goals you want to achieve with that. You know, Mignon's built a business around it. I've promoted my business with it. I know a guy who has a podcast called Tax Credit Tuesdays. He's a CPA. He's got a couple thousand listeners who are interested in that kind of material. I'm certainly not. It's going to put me to sleep. Uh, but he's reaching an audience that's mostly his customers uh, as a CPA. So he's he's reinforcing relationships that already exist. It's a way for him to stay in touch with clients that he can't be sitting down with every week uh, and having a face-to-face meeting with, but they get to hear his voice. So, you know, like so many people say, I want to do a podcast and make some money. What should I do it on? I think, you know, what you need to do is say, here's my goal. Are there tools that are going to help me achieve my goal? And is podcasting one of them? I think far too many people look at it as the end and, and not the means by which you achieve an end. Hey Joe. Yeah, Cliff Ravenscraft
5: here. I, I just want to say thank you guys very much for inviting me to uh, be a part of this. We're going to run out of here. Uh, we have a scheduled 2 p.m. full-time mom thing getting ready to happen. So uh, I appreciate you guys uh, inviting me to participate. And, and I just have one thing to say:
2: Viva la podcasting! Here, here. Yeah, we would we would agree with we would agree with that. Take care, Cliff, and happy New Year, and see you in Vegas. All right, we'll see you then. So you know these are interesting times, no doubt. And um, I blogged, you know, to me sometimes I I get more frustrated. I get frustrated a lot. But I mean, uh, I I was so frustrated that this post didn't get picked up more because it is so significant. FedEx bowing out of the Super Bowl after twelve years, citing unprecedented economic challenges and and turbulent waters. Well, wait a second. This is the Super Bowl. This is ninety million people. This is the the ultimate reach platform known to mankind, it shouldn't be the first thing to get cut. It should be the last thing to get cut. What does that tell you? You know, BBDO, the quintessential Super Bowl agency, only has three commercials in in the upcoming Super Bowl. That's the top down. That's the change that's occurring from the top down. We're all a part of the change that's being built from the bottom up. And let me tell you, when they meet in the middle, there is going to be one hell of a big bang. Um, I think we all know we're in the right place at the right time. I think sometimes we do get a little frustrated, or at least I do, in terms of not seeing more growth, or maybe not seeing it grow as quickly. Whether that's selfish in terms of monetization, or whether it's just passionate because we believe in the medium. But hopefully, people are listening to the show—this is not me necessarily saying goodbye—but um, uh, but I'm going to hand it back to you. But it's just a good opportunity to say that, hey, if anybody doubts, you know, whether podcasting, whatever, it becomes if it ever does become known by another name, is alive and kicking. This is proof, and it's also, by the way, proof that, that the Podfather is on this call and still on this call, and Grammar Girl, the you know, number one podcast in on so many lists for so long, and FIR you know, uh, in, in its 400 shell, if you're still on.
8: Yeah, we're uh, recording 410 on New Year's Day. started in uh, early January 2005.
2: You know, wow. and, and so it, it, it's unbelievable, and so many other podcasts, Represented on this call as well. So just, just you know, just a little bit of a, a a reflective moment, if you will. But back to you guys, and and certainly, if, if any of you have questions or comments and any burning issues you still want to discuss, now would be the time. Otherwise, you know, we're not gonna we're not gonna uh, belabor this if we don't need to. Um, so any other thoughts from you guys? I will take silence as golden. Um, well, uh, I'm going to take that as an opportunity to just, uh, if anybody wants to say any final words, uh, and if not, uh, to me this has been phenomenal, this has been one of the highlights of my podcasting career, just to get together like this and talk um, and, and share these these common beliefs and passions, uh, and, and really just kind of reaffirm the fact, not that it was ever in doubt to us, um, but really to anybody else, that uh, the best is, is yet to come, so you know, I'm going to say Happy New Year to all of you, and uh, I will try and do at least ten shows of Jaffy Juice in 2009 because I have slowed down and become quite slack. Uh, but I appreciate every single one of you for for joining uh, this today, and thank you to everyone with your great, great comments. Uh, new media photos. Said this was excellent. Jay it said great, great call, Joe. Great way to end the year. Um, more plugs. Did, any, did did anybody actually plug their podcast? I don't think so. Thank you to all of you. Guys, any final thoughts? Otherwise, I'm going to go into hold the phone to the PC and play my outro music.
4: Thanks a lot for being by Joseph. Happy New Year, everybody. Yep, thanks Happy a lot. Happy New for Year to everybody us.
8: from California.
4: Take care, Happy everybody. New year. Take care, everybody,
2: and uh, we'll see you in the new year. <sighs>
1: Thank you for listening to the 10 Golden Rules of Internet Marketing Podcast. Please send comments and questions to podcast at 10goldenrules.com. That's podcast at 10goldenrules.com. Or use our call in line 206-888-6606.
6: podcast is produced with Gas Blaster.